What an awesome moment right there. It's so, I appreciate so much you joining with us and welcoming this group of men and women and their families. I want to ask you to make your way back to your seat. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up one more time for the reading of Scripture. Just real quickly, um, this is the third message in a four-part series entitled Placement. The word placement simply means the act or motion of placing someone or something. When we make it personal, it's our belief that God places us. Isn't that right? That the steps of good men and women are ordered of God. Correct? And so we're trusting the Lord. He knows exactly where you are because he placed you where you are. And uh, this was dropped into my heart, this little series of messages. Was Pastor Burton was ministering about three weeks ago now. As he read from the book of Genesis with Jacob, it said Jacob was left alone. And that just got in my heart. And I remembered a psalm that was written uh, by, the, by the psalmist that said, God sets the solitary in families. And I preached a message entitled Make Room. That when God takes those who might be alone or solitary or isolated, he brings them into a corporate fellowship or a family. And it's our responsibility to make room for them. Amen. Last week was the most dangerous sermon I've ever preached in my 30-some-odd years of preaching the gospel. Um, number two in placement was woman, know your place. If you weren't, <laughs> Jeff, you weren't in here. You were out there. I, I, it started off rocky, um, but it landed. I think it landed safely. It felt like it landed safely. For uh, we, On Mother's Day, we looked at a, a woman, the, the created order. We saw that man was created first and given responsibility to keep the garden. And in that garden, God had brought uh, uh, the most beautiful of all of God's creation, the woman. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. To him. And, it, and the, so the place that she needed to know was a place of safety, security, esteem, value, and honor. And the men of our assembly rallied to the ladies of our assembly, and we formed a wall around them in prayer. And I hope we live that way every day, and we value the ladies that God brings into our life. Amen. Today, um, I'm going to uh, have you read a text of Scripture. We're going to go uh, right to this text, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 27. If you find it, you can say amen and stand by the honor of the reading of Scripture. We're going to read it. It's not that long. It won't take but a couple of minutes to read it. Collectively together, verse number 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit." For the body is not one member, but many. That's a good place to say amen right there. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now, one of the key verses, hath God set... Don't forget that. The members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And you got to catch that one. That's probably our key text. And if they were all one member, where were the body? And now are they many members, yet but one body? 
And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. That's good, isn't it? And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together. That's a powerful uh, phrase here. God hath tempered this, aligned this, structured this, the body together. How many know he's, uh, he's the great designer? Right, It's by design. You were designed in the heart and the mind of God, and we were designed in the heart and mind of God. Having given more abundant honor to that part which you lack. Three more verses. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Right? Now ye, remember I try to train you in King James reading, right? Ye's are plural, correct? So you is singular, ye here. So now ye are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ and we are members in particular. Or we're a part of the body. So here's my title, third sermon of the, th- of the sermon series Placement. Next week I'm going to be with the Holy Spirit. It's Pentecost Sunday, but today it's divine placement. Divine, not just placement, divine placement. And you need to know your place in the body. You got to know where God and who God has called you to be in the context of the body of Christ. Amen? I believe it's very pastoral today, um, but you know what? That's a great thing, isn't it? Amen? And we're going to trust the Lord to help us in this room. Father in heaven, I love you, and I feel grateful to be here today. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to share the word. I, I feel moved. I feel engaged. I feel um, a part of something living. I feel a part of something vibrant. I feel, uh, God, I see reciprocation in love and emotion, fellowship, welcoming. God, I, I see it in the heart and life of the men and women, from visitors that I met to Father God, people that are a part of our assembly from long time that have come back for here today, God, we're just so grateful. Whatever season of life we find ourselves in, we're thankful that you have placed us in the body. I pray, Lord, today that the Spirit of the Lord would help us today in the ministry of the Word of God. Come on, somebody, in the ministry of the Word of God. In Jesus' name and all of God's children said amen, amen and amen, and you can be seated in the Lord's house today. So let me take just a moment to take you on a little bit of a journey, if I can, and uh, to just ask the Lord to help us. One of the things that means so much to me personally, pastorally, is your own personal growth in Christ. You know, uh, the the writer of Ecclesiastes, y'all like the way I say that, I say it on purpose, Uh, Ecclesiastes says this, that um, in all you're getting, get understanding. That's good, isn't it? Strive to seeking to know and I, I, I love to see men and women you know I love to see our church grow numerically but I have to say this that's secondary to my heart personally I can't speak for all me personally to see you grow uh, in the spirit to grow and mature in your faith mature as a person um, husbands being husbands and fathers and mothers and the whole gamut of life 
Are you out there today to see? And, and so I, I, I love to share things that I think can help you grow in your faith. That's the target when I come together with you is to share with you. So I believe today is a message of that nature. Um, so let me give you a little bit of background to it. So our communion with God has to be according to Scripture. If you know the Lord, you only know Him how He chose to reveal Himself through the Word of God. Now, I want that to sink in. I think that is simple theology, but, uh, but, you gotta, but, but there, there is a depth to it, meaning anybody can claim that they know God, and then they can, they can either exhibit or define that knowing apart from Scripture. And if that's the case, that's not the true faith, right? Because we wouldn't know about this God we call Yahweh had He not chosen to reveal Himself according to his word, right? And so uh, I want you to know that this fellowship that we have with God and relationship and even son or daughtership, if that's the way you say it, is that it's on his terms, right? It's on his terms, not on our terms. We don't get to dictate our aspect of the relationship. God spells it out for us. We get to conform to his terms. How are you out there today? And so, um, with this, here's a, a little bit of a, a, just a backdrop. The clear teaching of Scripture is this. Here's the clear teaching of Scripture. There was, a, there was a result of Adam's sin in the garden. We found ourselves in the garden last week. And uh, by the way, when uh, Sister Sherry was forcibly brought into that little uh, um, dramatization of my sermon against her will, and uh, unknowingly, as I drug her along the front of the church up here, my microphone had caught in her hair. And so it looked like she was just drawing real close near me like that, but she was coming because I was pulling her hair. <laughs> oops, oops. Um, but in the garden, we know there was failure. Failure with Adam, failure with Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam was with her. He was not deceived. He made a conscious choice to break the command of God. The result of that is, is by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. And thus, all who have come from the progeny of Adam, which would be all of us, are born sinners. Let me go ahead and bring that into clarity. I hear babies under the sound of my voice today as beautiful as those innocent children, presumed innocent children, they will eventually break God's commands because of the sin nature that abides on the inside of them. But the good news is, through Christ, here's the reality on one side. There's none righteous, no, not one. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? But the good news is, is by virtue of faith in Christ Jesus, we are brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. Right? Through Christ, you and I have forgiveness of sins. We have regeneration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Correct? And now we have fellowship and communion with God. I know Him as Father. How about you today? And so, in doing so, in this work of grace that's re received in our life, our person has changed, our position has changed, and even our posterity has changed. Because you know, you know what? You and I are now children of God. We are children. I just love that. I am a child. I could sing, and I can't sing very well. But I could sing till I make myself happy. I'm a child of the Most High God. I just want you to get that down in your spirit and just live life and just think about that. I am of the offspring of God. 
right? I carry his likeness on the inside of me, right? I'm born of the spirit of the living God. You know, I, I, I wasn't born again naturally. I couldn't go back into my mother's womb and be born, but I was born by the spirit. He sent his spirit into my heart crying, Abba, Father. The first work of grace in, in my heart and life was the spirit caused me to speak uh, in communion with God, Abba, which is the Greek term for a paternal father in a, in, a, in a gracious way, in a communion way. And so his spirit now has, has worked in me to the degree, and when I'm saying me, I hope I'm representing you as well, that I have communion and fellowship with God, that I know him. Right? I, and every day I strive to know him, but if I'm going to know him, I'm going to know him according to the scriptures. Right? I'm going I'm to know him according to his terms. Now, see, this is the difference between idolatry and faith in the one true God. And see, idolatry, you get to shape God in the image that you have conceived in your heart and mind. But in our faith, God is shaping us into the image of his dear son. Hallelujah. And so, God, through the scriptures, gives us several different analogies, if you will, or examples to teach us concerning your communion with the Father your position in Christ, and our fellowship one with the other. And they're all very important. And so if you go to the Word of God, you'll remember that he used the example of sheep, uh, sheep the Scripture, many places. We are the sheep of his pasture, right? So we see that over and over again. Well, Jesus taught in John chapter 15, branches in the vine. I'm the true vine. You are the branches. Any man that abides in me, right? right? And so we abide in the vine. We grow, and we hopefully are fruitful in the vine. We see example of good seed in the field, where a sower went forth and sowed good seed in the field, and some came up, and there's tares sown among the wheat. We see that, that the children of this world that don't know the Lord, they're the tares in the wheat, but you and I know the Lord. We see another one in the parable of the soils, or the, he goes out and he sows the seed on good ground, and then on the, the hardened soil, and wayside soil, all that. And so it's just little ways and means that God reveals to us about how we can have fellowship with him again on his terms. And we get to learn, and then we get to adapt to it. And so Paul here, I believe, continues in a similar vein, and he uses the example here for us, something that we're familiar with, to teach us about our communion with God first, about our position in Christ second, and our fellowship one with the other. And he uses the anatomy of the, of, of the human body. Verse number 27 said, now you are, or ye are, the body of Christ and members in part or in particular. And verse number 12 and verse number 20 kind of hedges this in. Actually, if you kind of look at it, you see Paul begin this dialogue in verse 12 related to it. Verse 27 uh, is the end of it, and verse 20 kind of in the middle. For as the body is one, many members, all the members of that, he's looking at the human body, the actual human body. The human body, he says, is just one. There's just one Lee Brown right here, but Lee Brown has many members, and all the members of that one body, so is Christ. Says it again in verse number 18. God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. We are the result of design, of divine design. And so again, he culminated in the 27th verse by saying, You are the members of the body of Christ in particular. And so we see this analogy begin to unfold in front of us. And multiple times, Paul notes that the body is singular, the body of Christ, yet with many members. And the intent, it seems, is that the dialogue that he creates 
is that the body has unique members. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And there's some unique members among us today too. But they are not distinct from other members of the body. They're unique. They've got some distinct giftings and callings, but they're still a part of the whole, right? And so you say, well, who are those members that Paul is referring to here? Well, verse 13 begins to kind of elaborate on this. He says, well, it's a work of the Spirit. That's, I didn't add that, but it's just kind of it needs to be noted. This is a work of the Holy Spirit that we, we, you joined the church today, but you are already a part of the church. Right, These men and women that stood in front of you, they joined our fellowship, but they were already, if they were genuinely, and I know that they are, born of the Spirit of God, they were already a part of the body of Christ, correct? And so with this, he says it, it, it's Jew and Gentile. Here it says Jew or Gentile. I think that's very important for us in the context of which Paul is writing, where we see to the Jew there was only two distinct people groups. Now, you and I, we think, and I'll try to get it right because Aaron Grubbs will be judging my words here instead of ethnicities, because I've been known to say it's ethnicities. Correct, Aaron? You give me two thumbs up. I practice. I had to practice for that one. Just like Babylon. I still like Babylon better. That's just me. But for you that are new to this church, you'll have to go back and listen to about two years' worth of messages to get that one from there. But with that said, just real quickly, the context of Jew and Gentile, because to the Jew, there was only two people groups. You were either Gentile or Jewish. And the Jews perceived that they were the only ones that were the children of God, right? According to the covenant that God had made with Moses and according to the, the, the mark of circumcision on their body that brought them into that fellowship, then they were only the children of God. But now in Christ Jesus, come on, somebody, Right through his redemptive work on the cross. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, those of you who are near the Jew and those of you who are far, far, far away, the Gentiles now are brought together in one new man. Come on, somebody. And that's why he's here just briefly expressing to us that in that context, whether you're Jew or Gentile, you are now a part of the body of Christ. I also love this, slave or free, bond or free. And consider that statement in its historical context that when brought into the, the, the corporate fellowship of the body of Christ, that to a degree men and women lost that socioeconomic standard or that placement that the one looked down on the other. One was a bond servant. Others might have actually been slaves. And others were masters in that culture. You had that way back at the time Paul is writing this. And he said, but in the body we're all brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we can make that in our uh, generation today. It doesn't matter whether you're wealthy, right, or you're, uh, or, or you're pauper, just barely making it. I'm telling you, when you come into the family of God, we're all equal in God's eyes, right, about our value and our position in Christ. And so we see that beginning to unfold here. And so no matter, again, our ethnicity or our sex or our social status, it's one body many members, and all are one in Christ Jesus. Man, that's a safe place to be. But I want to share with you a little bit farther. I think we have to understand verses 12 through 27 in context to verses 1 through 11 and also verses 28 through 31 that we're not going to read. But understand them in context because Paul begins to speak to the members of the body, but he's speaking to the members of the body in the, in the context of men and women that have been placed in the body with differing spiritual gifts functioning in their life. 
Verses 1 through 11 of chapter number 12 is where we get the spiritual gifts, the manifestations. Paul uses language in this that the gifts are divided severally as the Holy Spirit wills, that the, they're given to every man for the common good or the profit of all. Paul, again, identifies nine distinct spiritual gifts in this particular passage. In other passages, he addresses gifts of service that are in the same context of what we're talking about here. And then in the last three verses, verses 28, 29, or first four, four verses, 28, 29, 30, and 31, we have the offices here of apostles and prophets that he mentions and in other ministry gifts. And so the point is here, the placement of those gifts within you by the Spirit, that gift begins to shape a measure of your identity within the body. Let me go ahead and explain you what I'm thinking here on this, what I believe Paul is saying to us, knowing that whatever gifts have been placed in you is very important in understanding your fellowship within the body of Christ. Because not only is the person valued, but the gifts that are inside of you must be valued. Right? Not only must we welcome you into the fellowship, we have to welcome your giftings into the fellowship. Are you out there? And it's very, very important. And I just believe that as we grow and mature and those gifts, sometimes gifts are flowing out of us that we don't even know. We just think that's who we are by nature. And part of it might be by nature, but the majority of it is by supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God upon your conversion and definitely upon your infilling with the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts and manifestations get released in your life. And after a period of time, we see that sometimes we kind of become synonymous with that gift. Let me give you an example of that very, very quickly. I'm going to call a name that you're going to find written in Scripture, I believe, in two places in the Word of God. So some of you that are part-time scholars will know immediately where this is at. And his name is Agabus. So some of your minds, just real quickly, you just Google search that in your mind. You say, Agabus, you know exactly where it is. Scripture doesn't tell us anything about Agabus. We know him as a male because the name is masculine in the scripture. Does it tell us anything about his personality? Was he kind of quiet and meek? Was he loud and boisterous? Does it tell us his stature? Was he tall? Was he small? Was he round? Was he thin? Does it tell us anything about his wealth? Was he from an upper class financially or lower class and just barely you know, getting by doesn't tell us, did he have a wife? Did he have children? Was he a grandfather at this time? Um, was he a single man? Was he old? Was he young? The Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us his occupation. Doesn't tell us anything about him other than this. Those of you that are part-time scholars will know the Bible calls him a prophet. And two of his prophecies are recorded in the Word of God. Nothing about his family, nothing about his history, nothing about uh, where he really came from other than Jerusalem. The point is, very quickly, is Agabus's identity and placement within the body is related to the gift that is working within him, right? And when you understand and you begin to see this work out in your own heart and life, that's why it is critical that you know what gifts are in you in Christ Jesus. It's very, very important. Let me tell you, because uh, when, when the gift of God is at work, in your life, I'm telling you, it just makes life much more fluid. It makes uh, you can become who God's called you to be because it's not necessarily you, it's God's supernatural gifting. You don't see Samson struggling to break himself out of the chains of the Philistine as long as the gift of God was at work in his heart and life. 
He was caught in chains or ropes or his hair weaving, woven into the, uh, the beam. It didn't matter. He just got up and shook it all off. But listen, but when the Spirit of God and the gift of God wasn't working in his heart and life, he couldn't even shake himself off from Delilah, right? Because he, he the gift of God. So let me tell you just real quickly who disappointed and at times frustrated people are. They are those who don't know their gifting. And I'm telling you, I'm challenging you today. It's a, it's a little bit of a frustrating process, but if you will listen, ask questions, I'll talk about more of that at the end, and you'll search. God will show you the gifts that are on the inside of you, and then you'll get more familiar with them. You'll get more comfortable with them, and it will begin to shape who you are, right, in the body of Christ. So the miserable and frustrated people are often those who don't know their gifting. Excuse me, disappointed and frustrated people. Miserable people are these who are watching people attempt to function outside their giftings. You make us miserable at times, watching you try to do things that you're not gifted or called to do, right? It leaves us all just with a, just a, a breath. It takes our breath away because we're just thinking about the struggle that you're going through. But let me tell you who contented people are. Contented people are those who know their gifting, they know their calling. Are you out there today, right? And that they know the work of the Spirit of God in their life. And, and so, and they're bringing those gifts to the body. And the body then is edifying itself in love, right? The body is then being built up as every member exercises the gift of God that's on the inside of them, building us up into who God's called us to be. So, Paul takes the notion of these distinct gifts working in the individual lives of the church, concluding that all the individual and the gift are valuable to the body. <laughs> That's good. Using the analogy of this physical human body, he says this, the hand, the eye, the ear, and the feet. And he said all are necessary. The body's ability to function at the highest and the healthiest capacity is when all members are valued all members are working properly, and all members are serving one another in love. That's the highest place that this church family can be in. That's the highest calling that's upon our lives. Let me go back to this. I think I went over it too fast. The hand, the eye, the ear, the heat, or excuse me, the feet. The seeing and the hearing, the doing and the going. Paul said all of it is necessary for the body. So we're one body, but individual members. So everybody's got a distinct calling and giftings, and we have to be very careful that we, if, we don't, if we're not careful, we'll elevate other people's giftings over others, and we'll real quickly get big eyes and little U's. Are you out there? And so God is saying that even the more feeble parts of the body, that it's the, that work, the work of the head is to put more emphasis on the more feeble part of the body so that the body will be strong in that area as well. Let's go on and let's see that. In verse number 18, I want you to see this. This message comes about from verse 18. Now, God hath set. God has set. The word set means place. This is placement. God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. This is divine placement. As in a game of chess, you do not get to decide whether you're the king, the knight, or the pawn. God chooses. God has chosen. He's chosen you, and he's chosen to place certain spiritual gifts in your life. And you cannot say to another who's in the body, I have no need of you. And I'm telling you, that's the tendency of hill country folk. 
I've told you before, one of our natural tendencies are is that in the mountains, in the hills, that we can live with you. But tragically, we can live without you at times as well. But the reality is, in the body of Christ, I need you. Let's pick that up. I need you and you need me. And we need each other. And by nature, you may be headstrong or independent of one another, but in the kingdom, in the spirit, in the fellowship of the body, we are many members but one body, and we need one another. And we've got to learn to celebrate one another. Paul says even the feeble parts, the less honorable parts, are necessary for a healthy body. On the contrary, in the natural, he says, we often put more honor on the less honorable parts of the body to give that part of our body more honor. And I've chosen to avoid taking that into great depth. God hath tempered the body in such a way that the lesser, more feeble, less attractive, weaker parts of the body get greater attention because the other parts of the body have no need. I explained to those that are joining the church this morning because we were going through a little bit of the history of the Pentecostal movement. In the Pentecostal movement, we had uh, standards, holiness standards in days gone by. And that we've kind of, whether it's drifted away or chosen to move away, that's, I'm not going to go there today. But in days gone by, there were clothing standards that often were wore in the body. Are y'all thinking you know what I'm talking about? And so we, we were, we were we, especially with ladies, we were definitely real quick to measure the length of their skirt. But I shared with, the, with the, uh, the class today that it's not by a religious standard that I wear long sleeves at church. It's because I know that if these pythons pop out on any Sunday morning right here, there's distraction, there's jealousy among the men. And, and I don't even want to go there with thinking what could be in the minds of the ladies. I can't even go there. So I purposely, that's, that's why I'm drab on the outside, because I'm covering all this right here that's at work in front of you right here. Come on. Man, that's, a, that's funny right there. I don't care where you're from. Oh, <laughs> uh, What's that saying to us in the spirit? What's Paul saying is this. is that we can't avoid or neglect people within our fellowship who don't have our same giftings, callings, personalities or even social positions we are all one in christ and all are needed in the body come on somebody god's intent is that there would be no schism in the body what does that mean it means no division in the body in the original language it means no rend or rent you know it's rent and then becomes rend and so or no division i want you to think back to high school for just a moment it's been a long time graduation season coming up here and so some people were saying no I don't want to think about this but in school you had the cool kids the athletic kids the artistic kids the studious kids the aggravating kids the punks and the pranksters the nerdy kids the loner kids the wealthy kids and the poor kids right and uh, now, in many of our settings, we didn't have we did, we didn't have racial distinctions to deal with, but but we do know that in other places. And often in school, what you have is that there's a pooling of those different individuals into little small groups that often live outside 
of relationship of the other groups. So, in essence, the studious kids don't really have any overlap with the jocks. Now, I know there are sometimes they're athletic that are very intelligent as well and, and such, but there. But you know what I'm talking about. And then we often find themselves getting pitted against one another. And so, but I want to remind you today is this, that God said this is the body of Christ. We are many members and one body. He said he doesn't want schisms or divisions in his body. I wrote it this way. This is not Rydell High and you aren't Sandy and Danny. you got to love one another. Come on, somebody, and value and appreciate one another, right? And overlap and live life together. We are members of the body of Christ and we love one another. And by virtue of him placing us in the body, we have need of one another, right? Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes our natural interest doesn't draw us together into little pockets. I tell people pastorally, listen, don't think that just because there's a group of men and women that have some common interests that they formed a bond together, that that's a bad thing. God can draw you together by uh, men and women of similar interests or similar personalities. What it means is, is that we're still going to be connected to all the body, right? In love and in fellowship, uh, with the entirety of the body. Our giftings should unify us, not divide us. Uh, God's intent is the body will have the same care one for the other. I got to just bear down on this one. I love, that's in verse number 25. If I could write anything on the tablet of your heart today, because there was a time in the church that we found, excuse me, we found that the, the, the care for the body rested pastorally upon those with the pastoral gifting or calling. And that's true to a degree. But God said in verse number 25 that the members should have the same care one for the other. Let me tell you what that means, actually. I want you to go into this real quickly. If you look that word same care up, it's actually, in, in, in Greek, it means take thought or even be anxious about. Now, why don't you think about that? Typically, we're taught not to be anxious for anything. But in this, it's, it's in a positive sense. You think about your children. You think about um, a, a grandparent that has a child, and the child is, is going to give birth to, and, and that, that grandparent begins to think in a little bit about their child who's given birth, and, and so you get a little bit anxious in a positive way. You're thinking about it, and you're hoping to help out, and, you're, and you do whatever you can do to care for. You look out for what it means is to look out for or seek to promote one another's interests. And, and so to me, personally, that's an indicator of a healthy body. Body. of the healthy body is this a healthy body is not a body without pain right it's a listen it doesn't mean we don't feel pain or experience pain what it means is it's shared pain right it's a shared in the sense of this both in triumph and in trauma if one member suffers we all suffer have you ever i have to be careful with that have you ever returned back to bed late at night? For whatever you got up for, that's your own personal business. We won't go into that today. And clipped the dresser with your little toe. Shatakaya Mosia. Pain does not just reside in your little toe. It pulsates throughout your body. Pastor Burton was here a few weeks ago. He's not here today. Pastor, I hope you're not watching this message. I told you how, I told some of you how that he broke my rib the first time I played basketball with him. We used to call him the butcher because he would hack us to death when we played. 
And he knocked my feet up from under me. I came down on the pavement, and I cracked several ribs. Well, another time I was playing, I don't know why I played with him. He came down, not on the little toe. How many know Pastor Burton was quite a bit bigger than I am? And he came down with his heel like the serpent in the, wilder, or in the scriptures. Your heel will crush his head, but it wasn't my head. It was my big toe. He came down on that. And you know how when you blacken a fingernail, you know, like that, and I got shut it in a door. Has anybody ever done that? Right? And with every pulse, whoosh, whoosh, pain surges through your body right there. Paul is using an analogy like that to teach us about the body of Christ, that we should be so connected to one another. When one member hurts, we all feel their pain, Right? And, and we do everything that we can to either identify with them or to give them support and to give them love and to give them help to the very best of our ability. That's why Paul used the word, have same care one for the other. But in like manner, if one member is honored, you know what I want to challenge you today? Well, you've got to learn to celebrate one another. We've got to learn to celebrate and rejoice with you. We got to celebrate not, we can't, we shouldn't be jealous of one another or envious of one another or speculate why this happened to that person and it didn't happen to me. Rather, listen, when they're crowned, when they put the crown on them, in one sense, as the body, we're being crowned too, right? And we've got to learn to rejoice in God's blessing upon them. And we've got to keep that in context to the spiritual giftings and callings and offices. I must rejoice in you functioning where God's placed you and the gift at work in your life, right? I, I rejoice in that rather than become envious or jealous of it. We all have to be guarded. Listen to me, it's very pastoral. To not allow fleshly or carnal appetites within us to often critique or criticize one another as quickly as we do. Ooh, got real quiet in here. But I'm going to go ahead and stay with that because I felt the Spirit of the Lord. Let me tell you about something. And you've got to be very careful about judging people's worship, too, along the way. In the context of developing, maturing. Because part of the Christian movement, part of the Christian fellowship is we worship. We worship collectively. We're drawn together to worship a living Savior. Right? But be very careful that, that in the corner of your eye that you're, you're, you're speculating about the person down the row whose worship may look different than yours. Oh, Jesus, I felt like in my spirit. I'm going to go ahead and share with you a little bit about that because you have to be very careful. Did you know there was a time in the days of ancient Israel when Hannah was struggling because she had a barren womb? She had a barren womb. And this was acceptable in, our, in that culture, not in our culture, but her husband had another wife. But you know why that Hannah was struggling? Because the other woman who had children, rather than having empathy and sympathy for Hannah, was actually called her adversary because listen to what the writer says in scripture she provoked her sore to make her fret because she didn't have what she had and she saw that as an opportunity to belittle her and so I just want to challenge you today in the name of Jesus that all of us as we have different spiritual giftings and callings we've got to celebrate those gifts among us we're not all going to look the same. We're not all going to sound the same. We're not going to all worship the same. I tell you what, one thing I want to do, I want to make sure that I'm not the person who's judging the woman that w the others are calling sinful, but she's at the feet of Jesus washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. 
And Jesus said she's forgiven of much because she loved much. While many of us have got a little bit too pug in our Christian faith to allow the grace of God to even reach her where she is. We've got to be guarded. Even his disciples, when Mary broke the alabaster box, we sing about it today. But at that moment, they called it a waste. Are you out there today? Some folks are going to worship differently than you. Some are going to worship from a place of brokenness. Some are going to worship from a place of uncertainty. Some are going to worship with extreme emotionalism. We're going into Pentecost, the day of Pentecost next week. Pentecostals have always been associated with emotionalism. And emotions are good things. I don't try to hide from them. I embrace them in my life. I embrace them in your life. But I don't want to belittle the person who's not as emotional as you are. Right? And you may worship like this with a war yell. And someone else may worship with hands down and their head bowed reverently before God. Did you know you can search the scriptures and find both? Come on, somebody. I felt in my spirit as I was getting to this text, I, I just said, I, I feel God saying to our church family that we have been tempered together in such a way, God said this, that we're to care for one another, value one another, both in our giftings and also in our expressions of worship. Let me tell you before I close today, let me tell you this about the body of Christ and the people that, that, are, that are here today. For those of you that said maybe new to the church just a little bit, there are people in this room that are easy to love and easy to like. Yeah, I don't know who was that. Others? It's a little more difficult at times. Are you out there? Stay with me. Let me I'm going to say that statement again. In the body, there are people, in this, even in this body, there are people that are easy to love and to, even to like, but others are more difficult. Sometimes people are harder to get to know because they're guarded because of the pain that they've been through in the past. Some folks will get on your nerves. Did I say that? <laughs> Some folks, even in the body, will leave you frustrated. Some are just hard to get to know, try as you might. In this body, you're going to form some friendships that are going to be like David and Jonathan. You're going to be like covenant brothers and sisters. Are you out there today? And others, it's just going to be more casual. In this body, there are folks that want to sit at Jesus' feet like Mary and hear his word. And others want to get up and serve and make things good and right for everyone else, but then they get frustrated when others don't share that passion. Are you out there? There are those among us that can teach, sing, pray, and prophesy. But there are those among us that also can give, serve, lead, clean, and cook. Right? Some have their gifting synonymous with their person. Hence, like myself, I'm known typically by my calling. Rev. The Reverend Leotis. My stage name, Leroy Brown. But most of you know me as Pastor Brown. So I, my name is Lee. It's a surprise to some of you. It's not Leroy. It's not Leotis. My name is Lee, but I've become synonymous with my office and the gift that's at work in my life. And the older you are and more confident that you are functioning in that gift, a measure of that will happen to you as well. The key is, listen, the key is we have to value by the Spirit of God all of us as we're 
Because among us are some folks still trying to figure things out. Who they are, what their calling is, what their gift. And I've been there. I've been there in days gone by. But I tell you what, the most contented I've ever been is when I finally accepted where God placed me. And I finally accepted the gifts that he placed in me. They were different from the gifts that I aspired to possess. But I always was uncomfortable trying to exercise them. But once I just walk in my gifting and calling, it's easily to fit in because God puts us together in harmony. Come on, somebody. Amen. So here to close today, let me drop a few things and nuggets in your heart, I believe, today. You and I are all members of the body of Christ. It was a very pastoral message. I don't apologize for it. My heart was filled with joy in preparing this message for us today. It's divine placement. You didn't choose us. God chose you and moved you into this fellowship. I believe that with all of my heart. Divine placement. You are where he desires you to be. You are who he desires you to, you are, and you are doing what he desires you to do. That's, that's, that's divine placement. And so to help each one of us to know your place and fit within the body, because that was part, there was divine placement, but how to know your place, how to find that place of connection in the body of Christ. Because I'm going to turn to a scripture real quickly. I didn't give them this one, but, but I want to go ahead and read a couple of others. And it's found in, in Ephesians chapter number four, verse 16. And before I share this, I'm going to drop this in your heart. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. It fitly joins together. And it's compacted by which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The body's going to increase. The body's going to grow stronger when we're all functioning according to what we've been designed to do by God. And in Romans chapter number 12, verse 4, he said, We have many members in the body, and all members don't have the same office. We have many members in one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. But then he said this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace. It's not going to look the same, sound the same. It's going to be different. But if we're truly walking in the Spirit, we're going to value one another because we are the body of Christ and members in particular. Right, We're going to do so in the love and the grace of God. So how to know your place, how to find your place, how to fit within the body. Let me drop these in your spirit today. Number one, quickly, humble yourself. Right, I mean, judge your own heart. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before others. Number two, serve wherever needed, not just where desired. Oh, gosh, right there. Right. Serve where needed initially. Because your gift will eventually make room for you. I'll get to that in a second. But the gift of God inside of you, let me tell you, say, Pastor, how do I discover the gift of God that's on the inside of me? Then li listen to the counsel of others. Listen to people that know you, that, that know your heart, that see your talents, see what the expressions of your heart. Listen to their maturity. Listen to their wisdom. Listen to what they have to say to you. They will help shape the gift of God that's on the inside of you. As a matter of fact, some of the gifts inside of you I'll get to next week are there as a result of people that are over you in the Lord, divinely appointed and placed in your life to release a prophetic blessing upon you that looses a spiritual gift in your heart and life. And we'll talk about that. That's part of the Pentecostal movement, isn't it, church family? So you learn to listen to the counsel of others. You have to determine that you're going to fit in. You just got to determine, I'm going to fit in with the body. And one of the greatest ways that you can fit in the body is this. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. 
Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm preaching way better than y'all shouting right now. I want to say it one more time. Be swift to hear and slow to speak, and you can find your place in the body. Be patient. Be patient. Your gift will eventually make room for you. Can I say it one more time? Be patient. Your gift, it will begin to work inside you. It will begin to work through you, and it will eventually make room for you in the body. Be courteous to people. Be friendly and be benevolent. To fit in the body is this. Check on and care for others within the body. Come on, somebody. Give me a give, amen, Sister Jan, back there. Care for others that are in the body. And then not only do you check on them and you care for them, how about this? How about we learn to celebrate one another? When you are blessed, instead of us being envious of one another, how about we celebrate? How about we celebrate when you got a promotion on the job or you got a different vehicle or maybe the, God bless you with just even the smallest thing. Now, we all celebrate ourselves when someone does something kind towards us. How about we learn to celebrate when someone's done something towards you that's good and positive? We celebrate one another and we're contented. Listen to this. We are contented with who we are and where we are. Because let me tell you about God here today. God orders the steps of good men and women. He is the divine architect. He's designed his body in a way that it can be the healthiest. And you can, God can put you in one season for a, a while, one place, and, and for a season, excuse me. And once that season is complete, God can move you. Placement. And he can place you in a new season. Are you out there? And when you're placed in that new season, typically there's a time of uncomfortableness, isn't there? Because then you're fitting in to the new season again. But through time and patience, grace and love, then you eventually find yourself fitted into the body as it pleases Him. I thank God you are the body of Christ and your members in particular. I feel the Lord today in a special way to pray in conclusion. So I'm going to ask, Daryl joins me on the platform. I'm going to give a, an invitation here today as I conclude my sermon. Am I ahead of schedule? Past time? No one's thrown a stone at me, so I'm kind of right there in the middle. The body of Christ. How many of you know it's very important that you know your place? Let me say that again. Remember what I said last week. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it that reveals the intent of the heart. So obviously I'm not saying it in a, a discrediting way. You've got to know your place. I'm saying that how, it's important for you and it's important for us that you know your place in the body that we're valued. Maybe you can't sing like Shane or have theology like others or serve as effectively as others or have a leadership gifts like others have. It does, you've got gifts in the body that make us better when you're letting those gifts flow through you in the health of this church. And the health of this church 
It's not just what happens here on a Sunday morning from 10 till noon. It's every day. It's life. It's at work. It's on the school campus. Are you out there today? It's when you hear about somebody in the church that's down or somebody that's in the hospital or someone that's in a wheelchair recently or something of that nature and, and, and you start inquiring about, but what can I do? Maybe you can't do all things, but maybe you can do something. Is that right? But what we've got to do is we have to challenge ourselves. We've got to challenge ourselves to open up to a broader spectrum of people, if you will, and allow them to be a part of our lives. And that's often not our tendencies. Come on. It is for some. For some, that's just who you are. That's you. But for others of us, it's a challenge. But remember this, church family. God puts the solitary where? In families. In families. Family of the body of Christ loves one another, cares for one another, values one another, respects one another. Come on. And in doing so, the body can thrive strong. We become who God's called us to be. That's all I want for you today. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to give a two or three-fold invitation today. First of all, I have to give this invitation. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to give it. I spoke about Christ. I spoke about communion with God to commence this message. Did you know there could be someone under the sound of my voice that you know about God, but you don't know him the way that I was speaking of? Did you know today I believe that I can help lead you to that type of faith through prayer till you know him, till you're forgiven of your sins and you have fellowship with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. If that's you, you say, Pastor Brown, that's me. I know about God, but I don't know him. I don't know him through his Son, Jesus. Pastor, would you pray for me and pray with me today? If that's you, slip your hand up today. Let me see anyone today. Anyone. We're, I'm waiting for just a brief second. Number two today. Number two. Those of you that would say, Pastor Brown, I'm still searching just a little bit for my place in this body. And not just in this body, but in the body of Christ. Still searching. Still waiting a little bit. That's okay. It's part of it. I'm not... I'm not traumatized if 30 hands go up and say, I'm just kind of searching. That's part of it. It's part of the fitting in process, adapting. And you say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Just pray. I, I, I want to I see the gifts of God unlocked in my life. I want to find a way that I can have communion and fellowship, not with just the Father, but with this fellowship on a deeper level. If that's you, slip your hand up today. Let me see Right there, several hands. Thank you. Thank you all for your honesty today. Your honesty today. Thirdly today and lastly today, because I'm going to ask people to come forward here in just a moment. You're here today, and you say, Pastor, I just need this fellowship today. I need the strength of what this fellowship offers in prayer. Maybe you're in a traumatic moment in your life, health crisis, whatever. There, I, the reason it's not, it is important, but it's not necessary that I know that right now. But you just say, Pastor, I just, I need, I just need to, I 
need to feel that strength, that sanctuary that's created when I know that there are men and women around me that care for me and that love me and they're praying with me today. If that's you, slip your hand up today. Let me see. My other hand's going up. A couple of the same hands. Thank y'all so much today. I feel the Lord today. I feel the Lord. I want to ask you today, church family, if you can, if you can, would everyone stand up with me today? What I would like to do, I would like to ask all those, if you will, that raised their hand, that would just be willing. And I know it takes courage, and I know it'll take patience on our church family to just, but if those, if you raise your hand, if you just come to the front and just stand for just a moment, and then I'm going to come by with the anointing oil, and, then, and, and I'm going to anoint you with oil quickly today, and uh, just to, uh, for setting you apart, setting you apart, praying that you find your place. You have distinct giftings and callings, but you're trying to find your place in the body and the fellowship and the communion, and, and you're, just, you're just needing God's help and His grace and the love of other people and just all those things. There's not a thing wrong with coming to the front to be anointed with oil and say, God, I just want to be a part of the body in a greater way and know one another on a more personal way and my giftings to be maybe, maybe revealed a little bit deeper and my callings a little bit deeper. That's a beautiful thing. And I want to ask our church family, some of these church family, some of these raise their hand just saying, I need, I just need to feel the warmth of the church family. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do. You see them lined up across the front. If, if some of you could just come and be supportive behind them, just with a hand on their shoulder, whatever, that just says, hey, I'm here. I'm going to come through, and I'm going to anoint each one with oil, and we're going to pray kind of corporately over each one, but we're just consecrating ourselves to, the, to the, being a part of the body of Christ. I am so appreciative that you said, I care enough about my my." my relationship with God, but my position in Christ and my fellowship one with the other, that I, I want my gifts to be uh, known and I want the callings on my life to be understood and, and I want to grow in them and, and I want them to help edify the body. That's all you want. You just want the body of Christ to be edified. I think that's a safe place, isn't it, church? That's a good thing. There is no shame whatsoever in you having come to the front of this assembly to be anointed with oil so that you can more closely fit into the body of Christ, whether it be this local body or whether you might be a visitor and if you're back at your home church, whatever it might be. So I'm going to take the anointing oil. I hope that some of you have come around behind. If you have to be dismissed today, if you just say, Pastor, I just can't stay while the others are praying, thank you for being here today. We are honored that you were here. Just I just ask one small favor. How about we just have a little bit of reverence for what's taking place at the altar? And that way, if you have to leave, just some of the casual conversation we could kind of hold for out in the foyer. Uh, because I, I don't necessarily have to keep you that long. But I, I want to pray for these men and women. I honor them for coming to the front of this assembly today. And we're just praying. Come on, somebody. We're just praying. We feel the love of God. We feel the love of God.